Okay, welcome everybody to another recording of Business Accelerance Memos, where we deal with the seven forces affecting a company and talk about how to build value for your eventual exit from the company. I'm Paul Menig, your PBP, that's Personal Business Professional, looking out for the health of your business. We have a return guest today, Jerry Fletcher, the brand Puba of Z-Axis Marketing. His focus is being a brand advisor to independent professionals, helping them craft unique, trust-based brands that build businesses, careers, and lives of joy. Welcome back, Jerry. Thank you so much. Good to be here. Yeah. Um, since we've talked, uh, it was a good that we bring in brand again because I am literally finding that it is everywhere that we look, where we listen, and even where we feel. Uh, just over the weekend, I was catching up on the Wall Street Journal mm -hmm. and came across a story regarding rebranding of vacation rentals by owner. Apparently, some people have a knack for speaking acronyms, even when they are not pronounceable and meant to be spelled out. <laughs> so VRBO is now going to be Verbo. And here's a picture of their revised logo. And I wonder what, what thoughts come to your mind when you see this and hear this. For starters, if I knew what Verbo was and I was looking for it, I think the lower one would be kind of more interesting. It gives me a little bit more something to get into it. It also has the rhythm and feel of the pronounced word, but the, the critical element here is what the hell does it mean and why would I know that? How are they going to get me to the point where I understand what Verbo is? Okay, so I'm going to guess you know what Airbnb is? Oh, yes. Okay, Verbo is bigger than Airbnb and the one that was in the business first. Which tells you something about <laughs> brands. Verbo doesn't say anything about what they do. Airbnb tells me exactly what they do in no uncertainty, immediately. Bang, it's done. That's the choice in a name that makes all the difference. I would bet that Verbo is made up of a couple of other words. Uh, vacation, rental, by, owner. The acronym that now becomes pronounceable. Sorry. <laughs> Acronyms don't count. Okay. In most cases. Okay. So I put together about seven questions. Okay. Um, and we, we had a chance to talk about them back and forth a, list, a little over email. Mm -hmm. But I've changed them a little bit, so you'll have to listen oh, yeah, carefully always. here. So, um, especially for solo entrepreneurs that are in coaching, consulting, and marketing, I've often heard it recommended that people name their company their own name, effectively branding themselves as an individual, partially for trust-based because, you know, you are the brand. On the other hand, I've run across multinational corporations and I've seen them intentionally use some obscure name, even an invented word, and do it to avoid association with the merged companies in any way and to avoid a bad word in another language. They'll look to see if Portuguese or Chinese or whatever has it for a, a bad word. So in your opinion, what's better? Name it yourself or something else? It depends on the type of organization. If it's an independent professional, 
then my strongest recommendation is to use your name. Okay, now that has a few caveats in it. If you use your name and your name happens to be this long and end in ski, I'm not <laughs> putting on Polish people or whatever, but it's not just Polish, also Ukrainians and you know, all and kinds Ukrainians. of folks, okay? Any of those kinds of names, people in the United States in particular tend to shorten those to, as it was for me in the military, uh, we had one guy whose name ended in ski. Nobody could say the rest of his name, so he became ski. Yes. We had a young fellow uh, who was uh, from Hawaii, who was a company clerk, right? Uh, nobody could say his name because, of course, Hawaiian has those strange characters. Uh, so he became Pineapple. Mm. Okay, so those are some of the caveats we have to worry about. Um, so for the person who's starting a business that is a personal service, uh, a CFP, a lawyer, uh, a CPA, um, any of those kinds of businesses, it's better to put your name on it because people will remember you and your name more than they will remember the name of a company that they don't, you know, has to be associated with you. So rather than making them do two associations, give them one. It's a much simpler thing to do. Now, the multinational that uses another name or a name that's not a person's name, many times the reason for that is we, we keep seeing mergers and acquisitions, mergers and acquisitions, and so they're trying to differentiate themselves from everybody else. I saw a commercial over the weekend for, uh, let's see if I can get this right, uh, something like, you know, oh, it was, it was the Marriott Group, which now owns Weston Hotels and a whole bunch bon of Bonvoy or something? Bonvoy. Yeah. What the hell does Bonvoy <laughs> mean, right? I mean, it's part of Bon Voyage, but I think of Bon Voyage and I think of Bon Voyage, I go, mm, there's no association for me. They probably paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to get that so-called name that is supposed to be the overall branding of their high-end hotels. I'm sorry, I, I'm not buying it. <laughs> I'm not going to learn that new name. There's no reason for me to do it. And they can't spend enough money in a short term to change the fact that most people recognize Weston, Marriott, et cetera. They know the old brand and, names. And it, and it appears that it is a new credit card uh, with points on it and stuff. I got something in the mail. I was opening up this morning as well. And it's saw a loyalty it program credit card. Yeah. I'm not even going to touch that. I, I, okay. Loyalty is another question. Anyway, but the key here is what works for that particular organization. I mean, for instance, do you drive a Ford? The Ford logo hasn't changed for a hundred years, okay? Or do you drive a Chevy? There's no such thing as a Chevy. There's a Chevrolet logo, but there is no Chevy logo. But how is the automobile known in America? Yeah, nobody calls it Chevrolet, never, almost never has. It's a Chevy. <coughs> Chevy okay. Impala, Chevy so, uh, Camaro, it's always Chevy, yes. Right, so here's the point. The point is that people will take the name that they fear, not fear, that they, that they respect <laughs> most, sometimes fear as well, but, but generally respect, they will take that name and they will apply it to the product or service or the person or whatever. That's the name that it's gonna have. So your brand becomes not what you want it to be, you can influence it, but you cannot control it. So a Chevy is a Chevy. Now, 
we, we were talking about other possibilities. Does anyone really understand anymore what the name IBM stands for? Yes, I had to think about it for a while, though, because I'm old enough to it know. It stands for International, International Business, Business Machines. Machines. Back when it was basically an accounting machine, manual calculator. Manual calculator, yeah. okay. So that particular design, the IBM design with that kind of slab kind of uh, serif typeface and the lines through it, that was designed by one of the top graphic designers of all time. But it was done somewhere around the 60s or 70s. Somewhere, I think, in the 60s. And it hasn't changed in all these years. I thought, I thought IBM had changed it to where they have lines going through the IBM now to represent something a little newer. But maybe I don't remember it's the logo the, the well same, enough. It's the same logo. It's been there. Okay. It, the guy was so far ahead of his time that it's literally been able to keep pace with the time. Okay. That's the thing that happens. So many people, because of the mergers thing, tend to think they have to have a new one. Have to have a new name, new logo. Okay, fine. But what's also happened is that people say, well, our logo's getting old. We need to have a new one. Well, yes and no. Ford gives the lie to that. Yeah. Well, Hershey we'll, gives the lie to that. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll come back to that. Okay. Um, so we had, uh, uh, we, I work for SCORE as a volunteer as well, and we mm -hmm. get involved with a lot of people doing startups and uh, we had a thing recently where people were concerned because they would go and search a URL, then they would go to the government to make a filing, check to see mm. if the name was available there, and then they would come back to the URL and it had just gone from 295 to $500 for the URL. So it appears that more so than a few years ago, there are people that are just camping out somehow, watching what people are searching for for URLs, getting them very quickly then, and then holding them ransom for somebody new. I also tend to recommend people go and check the patent and trademark database first, uh, then check the name uh, and file it with the state, and that the URL is available. Uh, but now it would appear it's okay to check the patent and trademark office, uh, check the business filing for your state, then check the URL and grab it before you get off the screen. What? What are your preferences for naming a company and protecting it? Well, for starters, naming a company is, is a, an extremely difficult matter. Uh, my approach has always been to try to make sure that people understand what it is that the company or product or service does, uh, that that's what comes across in the name, okay? Well, Airbnb is a good example, okay, versus whatever the other one was, Verbo. <laughs> uh, so, that's important, okay? But once you've done that, the question then becomes, is that name available, okay? The biggest mistake most people make, particularly small companies, is they'll choose a name and they'll find that it's available in the United States and they'll start to trademark it. Not checking internationally. Mm. The best example I can give you is, uh, well, Chevy had a car called a Nova. Nova, yes. Well, of course, in Spanish, that means no go. Yeah. Uh, not a good idea for a low price car bet or meant for that particular market. I mean, it doesn't make sense. But first off, I would say make sure that you've got something that people understand. It's pretty easy to check. Either they do or they don't. I mean, you can 
talk to you know people that are providing money for the the company people that are involved with the company you can talk to anyone that I would say does not have a stake in the company and find out what they think it means. If they have a stake in the company, they may be bending a little too far to be helpful. So get away from those kind of folks. Talk to the people that don't have a stake in the company, see what they think it means. Then look at the international implications. The simplest way to do that is to take the English spelling and go to Google and put in that spelling and translate it to Spanish whatever and see what it means there. That's a, that, that's a good point. I have not thought about that. And for anybody here in the U.S., certainly checking with Spanish or Mexican, uh, checking uh, if they're uh, going to deal with Quebec at all, checking in French, if they're here on the Pacific uh, Northwest and they're in Seattle or in Canada and Vancouver, checking Asian languages for it would make a sense. Uh, yeah. Now, the, 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 the interesting thing here is that it's difficult to check in the Asian languages because they use a different alphabet and mm -hmm. handling and so on. However, certain sounds can make a difference in those languages. So you sometimes have to talk to someone who understands the sound of the language more than they do the actual meanings of the, of the letters mm -hmm. and the words. Whereas with the, the Romance languages, all the European languages, it's fairly easy to deal with. However, if you go to Cyrillic, good luck. That's all I can say. Yeah. So, but, but finding someone that can give you an idea what that means in that language, if you're going to participate in that market, makes all the sense in the world. Um, I've dealt with a number of clients that have had to change their names after they've announced. Mm -hmm. And it's deadly. Yeah. It's, you mentioned trademark and registered trademark. Yeah. How much do you care with a lot of your clients, for instance, whether they register it or just slap a TM on it? I'm going to come at that. I'll answer it, but I'm going to come at it from okay. a different direction. Great. In today's world, today, the single most important thing, legal or not, is the URL. It beats hell out of the TM. It beats <laughs> hell of a circle R. It, it, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's, mm -hmm. that's the reality. Because people look for you using that name. They don't care whether it's a trademark or not, okay? Now, given that, from a legal perspective, I would prefer that my clients' organization structures, whatever you want to call them, are trademarked, okay? That their products are trademarked, okay? And or services, because a service mark and a trademark are essentially the same. If I can get the circle R on those, which takes time, I'm happy, okay? Right now, I happen to have a client uh, who literally is an attorney and a businessman and a consultant who is one of the tops in his trade, right? Well, because he's an attorney, he has a circle R on mm -hmm. the name of his business. Yeah. And we use it on everything. And it's a great thing to have. The difficulty is getting the URL that's the same. We could not do it. We had to put a hyphen between the words. Mm -hmm. So, so okay, so hyphens are okay, yep. <laughs> necessary a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Sometimes adding ink or PDX or LLC in order to get the All URL you want. What do you think about the letters after the dot now? Com, net, biz, edu, combi, uh, uh, there's a lot more now. Okay, because I operate internationally, okay, um, there's some letters afterwards that I really like, you know, like... 
the, the designators for for, or for um, countries. Okay. Okay. Like .ca for Canada. Mm -hmm. Okay. We don't have .us because we're wonderful. Right. Uh, but the letters afterwards, if you can't buy the .com and you have to buy the .net, that's okay. But it's not the best idea. My, my general recommendation is get the .com, the .net, and if you feel the absolute essential need for it, .biz. Other than that, none of them make any sense. None. You don't, you know, people, people just don't even know what the, 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 they're there. And if you don't have a .com, yeah. they're, gonna, they're not going to get you. Well, I've noticed, you know, for instance, we used to always have to put www dot in front of everything. The search engines have gotten smart enough to know that we meant that. Um, even, you know, the HTTP colon slash slash or HTTPS colon slash slash, those don't need to be needed much anymore. Well, they do and they don't. The reason that when you, you type in the name of the company, right? Yeah. And, and it automatically starts the search for that name of that company. But notice on the bar that it says HTTPS colon slash slash. Mm -hmm. The reason it does is because of the security, security yeah. involved in that. It will not, in most cases, bring anything up that doesn't have that HTTPS in front of it in the real URL. That's the kicker. Okay, so if I'm buying, for branding purposes, security, if I'm buying a URL, it's suggesting to me that nowadays I'm going to get the HTTPS, not the HTTP anymore. You can buy the HTTP, but the problem is there are some places you where you will not be able to see it. Yep, right. Okay. And then most companies that have any kind of firewall, yeah. forget it. You won't see it. Okay. So if you do business with a reasonable sized company, you better have the S on it. Okay. So branding is an interesting topic. I, I recently doing some due diligence on a company for some investors, mm -hmm. and this company had spent tens of thousands of dollars on creating their brand. Mm -hmm. uh, and they had a really nice document describing their brand, as as I do for mine. But it mm -hmm. was this went beyond that. It it covered the fonts, it covered the themes, it covered how pictures are supposed to be displayed on black or white backgrounds. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it had pictograms that picked up the qualities that they were trying to put in there. It was a made in USA as well, so there were some things with uh, the image of a sort of flag, but not a real flag mm -hmm. a kind of thing. Which is illegal. Um, and so it, it covered all of that. But then I also saw another person, you know, didn't have tens of thousands of dollars, had hired a graphics design person and was using the themes that come available in WordPress. And, you know, they look pretty good nowadays, uh, many of them. But then this person started adding pages on his own that didn't fit the color scheme, didn't fit the font scheme, didn't fit the word schemes and things like that. So how do you recommend somebody, let's say a solo entrepreneur and maybe somebody who's going to be uh, going to try to get some funding of two or three million dollars from some investors, two different groups, how would you recommend they approach doing their branding? Well, for starters, branding is deeper than what you're talking about. What you're talking about is ID, identification, or brand ID. Okay, That's only one piece of it. 
the real brand is what people feel, think, and believe about you. It's the total understanding of who you are and what you are and what you do that's out there in the general public. That's what counts. You can get that without ever having worried about colors, type fonts, and all that good stuff. Because your name, your reputation precedes you. For the smaller organization, if it's a you know, personal service organization, an independent professional, then that's going to be what precedes you. And anything you add to that is going to build on your brand. Now, what it looks like online, which is what you're really talking about, uh, can vary all over the lot. First off, just having a presence online is critical. You got to do it. It's that simple. Now, if you have a WordPress, which is the most popular in the world right now, I think like 65, 70% of folks that have a, a website use that sort of thing. Um, most of the avails on WordPress allow you to set up colors, type fonts, and so on. You have to kind of do that up front. But you can vary that, as you said. And when you take something that looks like this on this page and looks like this on this page, suddenly people begin to you know, lose a little bit. That's part of the reason that in a WordPress uh, situation, you should pick a template and stay with it. Okay. Now, if you've got lots of money to spend, Sure, you can change and add and, and, and really design things quite nicely. But the reality is the templates that are available today, if you follow their advice, you decide what the colors are going to be, you decide what the typefaces are going to be, and you decide how pictures are going to be shown within that, you're in good shape. You now have something that will look good across the board. But, and this is the big but, what does it say? Because the real truth about what comes across in a, in a website in terms of brand is that whole idea of who you are, what you are, what you do, and how you, you interface with someone. How do you get that information? How do you make sure that it says the same thing across all those pages? How do you make sure that it says the same thing not only on the website, but on your business card? and on every other thing that you have any kind of interface with an audience with. That's what's important. And you asked, how do I deal with that? That's part of how I deal with any client. We start with, okay, what's your vision? Where are you trying to get mm -hmm. to? What's your mission? Okay. And the difference between a vision and a mission is pretty simple. Vision is for the people who are in the company and have a stake in the company. Mission is for all the people in the company who work with the company and the primary customers so that they know and understand what their, their tasks are. If you have the right mission statement, you don't need manuals this thick. They all know exactly what they have to do. This is what we're trying to do. Do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. From there on, the next you know, areas that you need to look at are who are we really talking to? Who are we selling to? And, and what position should we have? Is there a niche that we should be in? How do we speak to those people? That information is what's critical about a brand. So when I do 30-second marketing with someone, basically what I'm setting them up to do is to answer the question, what do you do? That's your brand. No matter what else you do, you're going to be able to say in 30 seconds or less, this is what I do. This is what my brand is all about. This is how I can help you. So it's a much broader picture than just... 
Yeah, so what I get out of that is for a lot of people, uh, starting with the themes that they have nowadays, right. is adequate, but you still have to do some background work to figure out who, what your company is, who you're doing it, how you're serving people, that 30-second marketing, uh, the, the mission well, vision, which I see coming with every consultant, whether it's brand or marketing or whatever, and um, people don't seem to understand that all of us who are trying to help people need to understand what you're trying to accomplish, and that's where it starts with those few simple statements. It's the, the thing about brand is that you want to be memorable, okay? But people resist being memorable. It's like, oh, I might, I, I might bother somebody. I'm, I might low self-esteem. <laughs> oh, well, low self-esteem sometimes, but even high self-esteem, they don't want to say the wrong thing and possibly lose a potential client. Mm. Okay, and it's like, hold it. Let's stop and think about this for a second. If they can't remember you, what difference does it make? <laughs> so, the, the, one of the biggest lessons I have for almost any client that I work with is, it's not about you. It's about them. Yeah. What are you doing for them? How are you making things work for them? So when you look at a website, if it's all, I'm wonderful, I do these things, right? Sorry. It should be more about, here's how we help you. Here's the way we find a way to solve your problem. If this isn't your problem, we're probably the wrong person for you. Yeah. I had uh, somebody I was helping with this morning on a video. Uh, He's going through some sort of a startup training program in Corvallis right now for a mm-hmm. few weeks and they're using the business model canvas and he had done a lot of work on it uh, they're supposed to have some sort of presentation on it tonight we'll see how it goes I was reviewing it and when I was looking at his value proposition I you know said I see a lot of techno geek language in there I don't see where the customer's pain is or where the customer's joy is that you're resolving and we, we talked a little bit, and we said, okay, well, that particular sticky, okay, I can see that one maybe. And then he had another one, which was uh, um, something something review. And it was, it was just a very generic kind of thing. It didn't bring in what it was that they were actually doing to mm-hmm. help alleviate pain for a customer. And what it was, in this case, was we're going to help you with all those bad and good Yelp reviews and what to do about them. But he didn't, you know, it just didn't it was that. it just said review management. Okay, uh, that doesn't tell me what it is you do. Well, the, the, you, you used a, a term that I find extremely important. And one of the things I work with clients on, you know, generally it's back and forth for at least a week, two weeks, back and forth. And that's writing a value proposition. Most clients, start out thinking that the value proposition is about this is what I do rather than this is what I do for you. Right. Okay. The other thing that happens is we've all been subjected to, I don't know what major consulting firm did it, but you know, you walk into corporate offices somewhere and there's a, there's a beautifully framed thing on the wall that's, you know, six paragraphs long that goes on forever and doesn't really say anything, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know exactly it was written by mean. a committee uh, and edited by, I don't know what. But anyway, a value proposition needs to be short. No more than two paragraphs. And it gives people the information they need to take that 
proposition and put it into every form of media that there is. Everything, whether it's video or print or online or offline or combinations there, I don't care. It has to be maintained across all of them because in today's world, if you break anywhere, anywhere, they're going to know. I mean, as a for instance, how often do you look at, let's say you Google somebody, right? And you look at their LinkedIn information, right? And it says this, right? And then they go to their website and it says this. Which is it? You can't allow yourself as a brand to not be consistent. Yeah. Well, in, in, in my own rebranding from uh, originally Tech IM, which was, mm -hmm. you know, focusing on technology, product management, sure. and innovation, and things like that, to business accelerants. I've had to go through all of those different places where Tech IM showed up and now make sure they show business accelerants and do it in a, a, an appropriate way, and it's tough. The problem is the internet has an extremely long <laughs> memory. Yes. I, I keep finding things as I, you know, I've just recently moved to becoming the brand Poobah worked from back over, moved over from Networking Ninja, which still carries over in a lot of places. But just finding the places where I can apply that change has taken me about a month, just just making those changes. Yeah, I, I have a picture here that I did of uh, the history of my logo. Oh my goodness. Uh, and how it has changed. Uh, you know, the thing that I noticed about that, okay, was that you've been relatively consistent with the, I'm going to call it the, the, the cube with the dots. Okay? Yes. But it changed this last time to become more like mm -hmm. an arrow. And I, I am sorry, I, I, we haven't talked about this, but one of the things that, that I have within the context of the materials that I use for, with clients is a cube. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the cube, of course, cube has six sides, right? There are six elements within any business that you can write on the on the sides of those. Right? So I actually make have them make it up in, a, in a, some situations. The problem is, or the solution, depending on how you look at it, is that you can only see three sides at any time. Mm -hmm. If you try to concentrate on something that's on the bottom, and these other things won't work. Right. You have to pick the three. You have to turn that corner, whichever corner yep. works for you, and it may shift over time. But it's a really handy device. It, it, it interesting you say six because it is six sides, but I look at it as a seven uh, type device for my purposes in my framework. And the box is not closed so that you can think outside the box. Uh, the arrow came specifically this time around because of the rebranding to business accelerants and the idea sure. of accelerating profitable growth. So something had to be going up. And so we're pointing you in the right direction yep. uh, by looking at that. And, and honestly, the cube originally came from working with a design guy at a marketing agency up in mm -hmm. uh, Seattle. Uh, I was lucky that it was my son's uh, fraternity brother and best man. So there you go. I didn't have to pay oh. Seattle marketing r rates for you uh, got the, work. the discount. <laughs> I did, I did, and, and he, you know, talked to me, and he came up with this logo. And so that's actually a, a good um, segue into this next thing. What do you think about names? logo marks, and taglines? Any comments? Broad question. Okay. Um, first off, name. As we said, uh, if you're in a professional service business, I really believe that you ought to use your own name. 
if you are in a product business, you may want to have a name that is not associated with your, your own name, okay? Although many products and services started out having founders' names on them, like Hewlett Packard is a perfect example, yeah. okay? Um, so it, it really depends on the situation. Now, as you go past that, then the next question that you, that you really ask there is, should there be uh, a logo? The answer is yes. If you can have a graphic symbol that makes it easy for people, easier or easy to have people remember you, you're in great shape. Again, remember, the whole thing here is to be memorable in your words, your colors, your actions, your deeds, your any way you can, you need to be remembered. And having a graphic symbol would be great. I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, are you familiar with uh, the CNO Railroad at all? You're a Midwestern boy. Ooh, Chesapeake, vaguely, Ohio. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I got to thinking of it. I said, you know, is there any logos that have been around a long time, like Fords? Okay. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe the CNO had been around for a while. And all I could remember was they had a uh, a logo that was a C that had the outline of a kitten asleep on the on the C. And mm. it was it was at that point it was called the Chessy line, mm -hmm. Chessy for the yeah. cat. Um, and they had all kinds of variations of that, but it has now changed so much that is, it's well, it's 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 something like CNX or something like that. I mean, who knows? Yeah. But the logo kept changing and changing and changing till the point now where I don't remember the logo. But then I'm not in the east and I'm not writing rails and so on. But that sort of thing happens if you can get continuity and keep it. You're going to be better off than if you keep changing it, okay? Which is part of the problem yeah. with what's going found, on in the world I today. I found that interesting. I was, was watching the uh, Apple event uh, earlier last week, and you know Apple's logo has changed, their logo mark has changed, but still very consistent from place to place. And so they've gone from uh, multicolored to all white to in this last event, they showed it in the multicolored and the other things. And the thing that caught my attention now, they're definitely pushing privacy and security against their competitors and what they're doing with locking down and stuff and advertising mm -hmm. that they're protecting you. And, you know, if it's sure. worth protecting, your phone should be protected. And so what they did, if you watch their uh, advertising, they have just the little stem on the uh, apple. It comes up. It becomes a lock, it turns, goes back down and locks again and becomes that stem. Just that simple little visual for seconds sticks with the apple and sticks with them. That's what's known in the trade as a key benefit adaption. Okay, that's a term I've never heard. And, and, and what that boils down to is the key benefit they're Yeah, selling. the key benefit is security and privacy. Right. Got that. Okay. And what they've done is they've given you that impression graphically. You could describe it without any problems at all. Right. You knew what it meant. You knew what they were doing. You knew how it fit in, right? That's a key benefit attribute that's being used in a logotype. Now, it won't work except where you've got some kind of ability to animate it mm -hmm. okay will not work otherwise but think about this somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 percent of people look at youtube daily 
or their text messages have GIFs in them. My wife goes crazy now trying to find the right little picture, pictogram, and GIF. There you go. <laughs> so the reality is that if you have the ability to use that, you can really get at, I mean, our minds are incredibly strange machines. I mean, they're like computers, but they're like computers on steroids because we keep looking at color, we keep looking at, we listen to sound, we get, all our senses are working, right? And when you put something in a visual like that, and the, I don't remember, I don't think they had a sound effect with it. And it's the one- I don't recall, they might have had a click sound, but I don't, I, I'd have to I, double I'm check. I'm not sure, but I, I'd have to think about that. But I'd be willing to say that if they didn't have one, they should have some sound like a, Yeah, yeah okay? absolutely. Because one of the things that we know, and this is just known fact, is that sound has the ability to penetrate faster than visual, faster in our minds, hmm. okay? We, we, uh, we worked at one point, uh, let's see, I guess I was in Minneapolis at the time, with an agency, uh, with a, uh, a client called Fisher Nuts. And, uh, and over and over again in focus groups, people kept saying, we like them because they're fresher. And that was, you're telling me that you had something to do with the whoosh sound when you open up the can of Fisher Nuts? Exactly. Wow. That was branding in a different era. You know, it's more, it was powerful stuff. I mean. Yeah, and, and uh, Maxwell House or one of the others did it too with the coffee when you opened up the right. the, the, the tin lid. Right. <laughs> what you, was a tin lid? <laughs> it, was, it was a tin lid, actually. So, again, if you can use all the senses to help brand yourself, the better off you're going to be. And, and, again, if there's an attribute that adds to whatever your basic logo or handling is, then you do it. Now, they haven't changed the, uh, the cut line under, under the, the logo as far as Apple's concerned, but there are companies where it makes sense to do that. Should you change it frequently? No. No. <laughs> you should position yourself in one place and stay there. Yeah. So you brought up Ford, and, and we had talked about this a little bit back and forth mm. in email, and I, I got a couple new pictures. Because I, because I worked in the automotive industry, I mean, we had a styling studio. Oh, yeah. And we had a dozen stylists who were in there. And we had to go through a rebranding of Freightliner's logo from what was affectionately called the coat hanger to something newer. And then over time, we had to have new hoods and new grills and different things. Sure. And literally, we had high-level management, lots of people hours and days and weeks and months coming up with the simplest little things. I loved talking with the, uh, the clay modelers there because uh, th there was still a lot of this was done by hand, not on the computer. Oh, yeah, uh, had to. When it came done. And so, um, you know, most people wouldn't think that these two cars look anything alike to one another. Oh. But to somebody in the automotive industry, there are styling cues there that say, not just this is a Ford, but this is a Ford Focus. Now, you can't do a lot with a license plate, but there's still some consistencies there with the license plate. Those grills, definitely quite a bit different. But if you look closely, from my perspective, being in the industry, this line here right. along the hood, those are identical lines in those two, in the, this is what, 20 years difference? Oh, at least 20 years, yeah. Yeah. And then to, your, to the, you know, here's the Ford logo. Um, uh, 
Billy Clay Ford, the current pre owner, president, chairman, whatever of uh, that, just bought a couple about five years ago for the 150th anniversary of his grandfather who started the business, bought the third produced Ford Model T. Oh, wow. Okay. And it, there's lots of pictures. They used it, you know, for everything and stuff. And this is probably a picture of it. But if you look at Ford in 1903, and you look at Ford today, it's still the same. They've been told, you need to update it, you need to change it, and they have refused, actually, to change the Ford. You have to understand. You've mentioned two names that you know I'm quite familiar with. I happen to be the CEO of the agency that handled Freightliner for years. Okay, I happen to have done that. But I was also with J. Walter Thompson when they had the Ford account. Mm -hmm. I was there when they came back from... Um, California with some eight millimeter film and said we have to change the entire campaign for the Mustang. It was the eight millimeter film of a Walter Mitty type character that was shot in California handheld by one of the art directors. They showed that and it, there was no question in the agency yes we have to do this. They literally got on a plane went to Ford and said we have to show you this because we think it's the right thing to do we're going to just forget all that other stuff. They went, what? And they showed it to them. That's why those exist. But that agency was also continually saying, you know, we should probably update the logo. We should really update the logo. <laughs> I happened to have, I was supervising the night studio when they were working on alternates to that logo. Nobody could come up with anything that was even close. I mean, it was just hands down, no. Mm-hmm. And that's probably one of the best decisions they've ever made. Even though it's an old type style. I mean. Yeah. Old. But sometimes oldies are goodies. They go right back to IBM. It's an oldie but a goodie. So, so you were there when the Mustang came out in the 80s? Oh, yeah. In Iacocca. Oh, yeah. And so what can you tell me? I mean, it doesn't say Ford on the front of that vehicle. It has that picture of the Mustang. That's because the entire orientation on that car was to have a new car that went to a different audience imagine yourself sure i, re I remember when, you know i was i'm a detroit native so i i remember when iacocca was brought in and you know what he was supposed to do well but basically what they were trying to do was to get a younger audience yeah ford had skewed very much to the way toyota is right now yeah okay they skewed that way and they needed to get a younger audience. They yeah. needed to get you know something that would make a statement, and then we go to a younger people and get Ford back in the the you know the curriculum, whatever you want to call it. Because remember what the competition was, was yeah. a Camaro, Camaro, and um, Barracuda, Barracuda, Dodge Barracuda, and oh yeah, all the all the muscle Plymouth cars. Camaro, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So I mean, so the the Mustang had a, it wasn't a muscle car, not until Shelby got a hold of it. <laughs> Um, when, when we were talking earlier about sound traveling and mm. memory, uh, you know, I was just thinking, what, what brands do I remember? And what this morning I'm looking at having to re-record some cassette tapes mm -hmm. into the modern streaming world that okay. my kids had as, as children that my wife now would like our grandchild to have. So I'm going to have to do it the old-fashioned way, play it through a speaker and record it on a microphone mm. and stuff. Uh, kind of thing, but it, when you were talking, I was thinking the old Memorex commercial, 
if it's not real, it's not live, it's Memorex and the, the sound of the glass breaking uh, and stuff. Uh, well, it's like, do you remember the Memorex, the, uh, oh God, the, 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 the watch? Takes a licking, keeps on ticking. Timex. There you go. Absolutely. When it was introduced, right? It was like... 60s. We remember the stuff because that one had that, that one used rhyme to get yeah. at, at, at a reality. But the, the thing was, that watch really could take a beating. Yeah. But it was so cheap, nobody would believe it. <laughs> it still is, as a matter of yeah. fact. But Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm going to include in the, the video, as I, uh, I'm doing now, you mm -hmm. will have your name and contact information so that people can get a hold of you. So you don't sure. need to, to tell us all about that. Okay. Uh, we'll make sure that they uh, connect with you. Okay. Uh, any last comments you want to talk about uh, for brand? Um, keep it simple. People try to overthink brand too often. It's like you're talking about every piece of the, the organization was looking at little tiny tidbits. You need to keep it simple. You need to step back. I mean, let's get real. The Nike swoosh, they paid $27 for it. Okay? Now, granted, they gave her a piece of stock a few years later. But that was done sort of like last minute, we got to have something. Let me think about it one of the most iconic brands in the world today, right? Apple's the same way. I don't know who designed the logo, but I know who came up with the name. It was a PR firm. How can we call this something different? Well, let's call it Apple. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's how much thought went into it. You know, so it's, keep it simple and use what works for you. But more importantly, make sure that your, your, your potential customers understand what it is that you do and how you do it, what it you know, how it works for them, not how it works for you, how it works for them. They need to understand what that product or service is, how it, you know, how it can affect their lives. Uh, and don't be afraid to state what it is. I'll go back to Airbnb. Well, we all, well, not all, but a lot, most people that are looking for a place to stay know what a B&B is, okay? Airbnb. Well, that means I can get one over the air. I mean, I you know what. I still have a pretty good idea what it's going to be versus whatever the other one was. Birlo or whatever. <laughs> Can't remember the name. Uh, see, that's the whole thing. What, you, what you're looking for is memorability and things that use the terminology of your potential customer, not yours, not acronyms. What works for them? It's like I, I actually worked with one CPA who basically called himself Captain Crunch. Mm -hmm. Crunching numbers, right? Yeah. Actually, I had another one that wanted to be called the bean counter, and I went, eh, I don't think so. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing that people remember. Mm -hmm. They never walk away from it. And it's like, hey, if you need somebody to handle your taxes, you got to cook Captain Crunch. He's fast. He's sure. You know, boom, there it is. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. All right. Thanks again, uh, Jerry, for joining us My on pleasure. Uh, Business Accelerant's Memos. It goes so quickly, doesn't it?